Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Wisdom Awakening. I'm your host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. <clears throat> Excuse me. Great to be with you again this morning. I'm headed off to the Salt and Light Conference uh, after the program today, flying down to Charlotte, North Carolina, to be there with those of you who are going to be there tomorrow. And so if you're anywhere in the area, stop on by and spend some time with us. I'm sure it's going to be a wonderful event. This is First Amendment Friday uh, for today here on Wisdom Awakening, soon to be E.W. Jackson for America. Believe me, it's coming. And therefore, I do want to get your questions and comments. So if you have any questions or comments, please email me at E.W. Jackson. Excuse me, at EWJackson.com. E.W. Jackson, EWJackson.com. And I will be checking along the way to see if there are any questions that I can respond to. And I'll break away from my, my uh, prepared talk in order to do that, in order to respond to whatever questions you might have. I'll be do doing the same thing on my radio program today on Fridays, First Amendment Friday. I always take three quarters of the program to just take calls. Let's see what's on your mind. What are you thinking? How are you responding? Uh, today, for um, the time that we've got, Oh, and by the way, the Salt and Light Conference tomorrow is going to be at, I think I've already given this information, but let me, let me give it again, is going to be at the Freedom House Church in Charlotte, 2638 State Road in Charlotte. The Freedom House Church, 2638 <clears throat> State Road in Charlotte. Uh, <clears throat> I've been pondering this issue. I've been, as I've said, I'm, the book I'm reading now is uh, Ron Chernoff's Alexander Hamilton, uh, which I'm told formed the basis of this play, Hamilton. I, uh, uh, which I would never go see at the cost that they're charging, plus uh, there are a bunch of leftists who, uh, and I'm not sure what kind of interpretation they have of Alexander Hamilton, but I'd just rather not be exposed to it, frankly. So I would never invest my money to go see that production. Um, but I am reminded in reading it of the very, very, very vicious and and near violent divisions. Of course, you know that Alexander Hamilton ultimately lost his life in a duel with Aaron Burr. But the the violent divisions that existed during that time and that cropped up, in fact, just recently reading about the division between uh, John Adams and Alexander Hamilton and the, really the rise of the first informal, albeit, but nevertheless, political parties, the Federalists versus the Republicans, those names don't really describe much from our modern English today, but the Federalists were the people who wanted a strong central federal government, and the Republicans were the people who wanted states' rights, state sovereignty, and so forth, and they were clashing, and both groups accused the other of, well, the Federalists were accused of wanting a monarchy, and the Republicans were accused of trying to destroy the Union, trying to break away. So there was even then talk of secession, uh, nullification, the uh, Virginia-Kansas resolutions, 
that declared the Alien Sedition Acts null and void from Virginia's perspective, that they didn't have to obey any law that they felt was unconstitutional. So as I said before, when the Civil War finally hit, slavery was a very important factor, but it wasn't the only factor. Uh, it was the Civil War was an effort to resolve a very sad and unfortunate effort to resolve long-standing disputes over the nature of the Union, whether we are in fact an indissoluble nation made up of really semi-sovereign states, which means they have a certain, <clears throat> a certain degree of, of autonomy and latitude, but they don't have the latitude to leave the country. They don't have the latitude to separate themselves from the United States of America, the indissoluble union, the sovereign nation of the United States of America, that that they don't have. Well, that was not clear at all. And the Civil War resolved that as a practical matter by ultimately defeating those who thought that they could still secede, that they could still leave. Uh, I think it's clear probably to most of us now that nobody can leave. It's not permissible that we are one nation. So that was an underlying issue. And uh, during the time uh, that John Adams was president and Alexander Hamilton was at that point the, the inspector general for an army that had been raised up to deal with some, some rebellion that was going on in Pennsylvania and some efforts to, um, to basically refuse to pay certain taxes that were being passed in order to, to meet the needs of the federal government. There was, there was I mean, profound, profound disagreement. And I, reading that, I thought to myself, being reminded of that, I mean, I knew it existed, but I'm getting into more details about it, reminding myself that this is Celebrate American History Month. What's different between what was going on then and what is going on now? What's different? Well, it, it, it is a different both difference both procedurally and substantively. Substantively, the difference is this. Now, I am labeled an extremist, right? Law-abiding citizen, don't want to hurt anybody, not out breaking any laws, don't hate people on the left. I don't agree with them. I, my, my disagreement with them is vehement. It is deep. It is profound. It is uncompromising. <coughs> but I don't hate them and I don't want to kill them, I don't want to harm them, I don't even want to put them in jail. Uh, I, I just want to persuade them that the path that they're going down is bad for them and bad for the country. And I said that rather mildly, but of course you all know that I feel very passionately about that issue. But I'm labeled an extremist. I'm, ex I'm an extremist, and, and, and you Christians uh, of, of African ancestry, of Hispanic ancestry, um, you women out there, all, all, all the people who fit into the left's silos and tribes and categories about who we are as, as a group rather than as individuals, we are a group. We are a group of oppressed, disadvantaged people, whatever. Men, I mean, you know, are their oppressors and white people are their oppressors, and all, you know, all that nonsense. But those of you who fit into those groups and, and are appealed to with those emotional 
appeals of, oh, they're out to get you and they're racist and they're sexist and they're this, that, and the other. I, I want you to listen to me very, very closely because what I'm going to say, I think is maybe something that you haven't heard quite put this way before. The substantive difference is this. Those of us who hold to traditional values have not taken some flight of fancy that has attempted to pull the country in some dramatically different direction than what it's always been. And we're labeled extremists, and that would imply someone who has extreme views that you're trying to drag other people into. Uh, the dragging other people into would be a part of it because otherwise, you know, you're just a person with opinions. But that you want to drag other people into these quote-unquote extremist opinions. That those who supported President Trump, that those who believe in the concept or think that the concept, make America great again or America first, that, that, that those, those are good and, and right and decent concepts. We are extremists. In fact, for the parents who followed a principle that has existed again since time immemorial, which is that the parents are the final authority over the rearing of their children and what they are taught and what values are instilled in them. Parents who rose up against school boards trying to instill in their children critical race theory, transgender and homosexual uh, ideology and, and exposing them to sexually explicit uh, kinds of activities and, and bringing drag queens in with, with uh, artificial breasts exposed and shaking and having kids learn to put money into the belt of a, of a drag queen and all of that. That's all good. But those of us who believe that, wait a minute, as a parent, I want to maintain the innocence of my child. I want my child to learn about sexuality in the way that I believe should happen um, and not the way some bureaucrat, some school board member, some teacher's union leader believe should happen. We are extremists. Now, think about the, the, the psychological uh, twisting and, and perverting of, of logic and facts and truth. That when the people who simply maintain their long-held views are called extremists, right? And, and the people who want to pull the society in a dramatically different direction Oh, those people are good and right and wholesome and decent and honorable and all of that. And we extremists are over here saying things like, well, marriage is a union between one man and one woman. That's what I've always believed. I'm a Christian. Oh, whoa, whoa, you're a bigot. You're a hater. Who say, well, there are only two genders. The Bible teaches that and genetics teach that. Science teaches that. Physiology teaches that. Oh, oh, whoa, you're, you're an extremist. Now, remember, you're an extremist when these ideas that I just enunciated to you are relatively young, 10 years, this whole transgender thing is not but what, less than, less than a decade old, five, six, seven years since this, this real thing really ratcheted up. 
the whole notion of, of individual liberty, that each of us is an individual, that I don't stereotype people, I don't smear people, I don't categorize people because, well, you belong to that particular racial or demographic group, and therefore I can conclude about you A, B, C, D, E, F, G. We, we've rejected that. That's really not part of our culture. I'm not saying we haven't done that and that that, that, that that has not been kind of a perversion of American culture, but America was rooted and grounded and founded on the notion of individual liberty. So, Bishop, how can you say that when we had slavery? Well, remember, within a culture, there can be subcultures. But that subculture, if it's in contradiction to the predominant culture, there's going to be tension. There's going to be clashing. And that's what we saw over slavery, because America was rooted and grounded and founded on the idea of individual liberty, that each individual should be seen on the basis of his or her own merit. Their, that person's character, that person's competence, uh, that person's decency, and so forth. But we now seem to be enshrining in our culture the notion that, no, 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 we're not individuals. We're all part of a demographic group, and we are all imbued with whatever characteristics people want to impose upon that group. So, for example, as a black man, I am oppressed, right? I am part of the oppressed class. Of course, I'm an oppressor as a man, but I'm oppressed as, because I'm black. Now, when I say, no, I'm an individual, period. I'm a human being. Yes, I'm a man. I'm male. But I'm an individual. I've got my own ideas, my own thoughts, and they can't be encapsulated in, well, that's what that group thinks. I'm an extremist for holding that view. Because if you're rational and reasonable, you say, oh, no, here's who you are, E.W. Jackson, and then you ticked off the things that I am because you put me in the category that you want me in. Now here's what I'm getting at. What's substantively different about that is that, yes, while there was tension and there were uh, arguments between members of our, our, the, the, those who we would categorize as founding fathers, they had their differences, and some of those differences were stark, and they were ugly. Thomas Jefferson and John Adams fell out. Thomas Jefferson and Alexander Hamilton could not stand each other, um, and so on. But the substantive difference is that they all saw themselves as trying to preserve what they believed they had. By the way, in the dispute between the Federalists and the and the Republicans, I think while the Republicans had some substantive points, I think that they, they were on the wrong side of history. I think that the Federalists had the better argument because America could have never become the behemoth we've become had there not been a, a, a federal government, a central government, strong enough to meet the challenges of our domestic growth as well as our international challenges and, and threats and so forth. Because remember, the Republicans did not want a standing army. They did not want a navy. 
they didn't they thought all of that was inimical to who we are as Americans well that's really preposterous in hindsight you can see they were just completely and totally wrong now the Federalists may have gone a bit overboard to the extent that they thought you know the federal government should have powers that the Constitution did give it and there may have been some excesses there but overall they were the Federalists were right but but both groups saw themselves not as trying to destroy what we had or to upend what we had. By the way, they both accused each other of that. The Federalists accused the, the Republicans of trying to overthrow the government. The Republicans accused the Federalists of trying to create a monarchy. And we know in hindsight, again, neither was true. I think it probably closer to the fact that the Republicans were willing to dissolve the Union if they thought that was necessary in order to preserve their liberty. But that's not what they wanted. That's not what they were going for and that the Federalists could maybe be a little bit overbearing about what they thought the power of the federal government should be. Okay, I mean, after all, John Adams signed the Alien and Sedition Acts, and those things were abominable. They were about as unconstitutional as it gets. I mean, people got put in jail for the things that they said. We don't do that in our country. At least, we're not supposed to. My point is, they both both sides thought they were trying to preserve what we had. That's not the case now. Because we conservatives, we Christians, Bible-believing Christians, Christians with a biblical worldview, we are trying to preserve what we have. The left is trying to destroy and overthrow what we have and, and replace it with something different. Now, sometimes that's said explicitly, but that's rare. But, but you can always hear it. As I said, these three professors, uh, one from Yale, one from Harvard, one from Georgetown Law, all of whom agreed that it's time to throw out the Constitution. They're not interested in preserving what we've got. They're interested in overthrowing what we've got. And you better believe if three prominent professors from prominent universities are saying that, you know that others are saying that as well. They're not alone. They're just finally expressing what others have thought. And I've been reading articles about this for, for years now. I've said before, I think that the time is coming when somebody will explicitly say, well, the Declaration of Independence should be thrown out. I've heard leftists say this, particularly from the homosexual activists, that, well, we know that our rights aren't given to us by God. That's foundational to this country. You and I are trying to preserve that. They are trying to overthrow that. That's one big substantive difference between what the Federalists and the Republicans were going through in the 30 years, the 20 to the 40 years after the Revolutionary War and what we are dealing with now. So that's the substantive difference. We, we who are called extremists are simply trying to preserve what we've got, preserve our Judeo-Christian values, preserve our Constitution, preserve individual liberty, preserve First Amendment freedom, Second Amendment freedom, the freedoms that we really believe are God-given fundamental rights. We're trying to preserve all that, as well as trying to preserve a commitment to truth, that there really are just two genders, no matter what anybody says, that marriage really is only a union between one man and one woman, because that's what it's always been, that's all it should be, um, that, that the killing of an unborn baby is, is murder, it is the destruction of life, because that's what I was, that's what you were, that's what we all were at one time, 
and yet here we are now, sentient, presumably mature, wise, relatively wise, we hope, human beings. But at one point, we were helpless, uh, 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 unformed, not fully formed human beings in our mother's uterus. We all were there. And the left would tell us there's no moral implication to that. You can just kill it willy-nilly. You can kill it right up to the time uh, the baby is born. And then if it's intended to be an abortion, no matter how late term the abortion is, if the baby happens to come out alive, you can let it die. Now, those of us who are saying, well, wait a minute, life is sacred. That baby is important. There's something wrong with the notion that if you don't want it, it's nothing. It's a glob. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's fetal tissue. And if you want it, it's a baby. I'm having a baby if you want it. And if not, I got to get rid of this thing. There's something wrong with that. But we're the extremists for holding that view. Now, look, we have to ignore that. Uh, that's the substantive. Let me give you the, 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 the thing that's different procedurally. During the time, even, even leading up to the Civil War, with uh, these unresolved issues, slavery being one of them, there was no one side that predominated. There was no one side that had control of the levers, not only of political, but of cultural influence. Now, let me explain to you what I mean. I need to check the, 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 um, my email to ewjackson, ewjackson.com. Let me explain to you what I mean. What we have now is that the left, imbued with Marxist, socialist, anti-American ideology, educated in, in indoctrination camps, which are called colleges and universities, control big tech, they control the corporate world, you've been hearing about these ESGs, environmental, social, um, what is it called? Environmental, social governance. Yeah, environmental, social governance, where they want corporations to be governed not by their fiduciary responsibility to produce a profit for the shareholders, but by their need for social change. They control the mainstream media. They control the government bureaucracy. I'm not just talking about who's president or who's in Congress, but the deep state. Leftists have embedded themselves in the deep state. In fact, in my view, uh, they've all but completely taken over our intelligence apparatus, the CIA, the National Security Agency, the uh, FBI. They've got control of all of that. The entertainment culture, uh, the journalistic culture, in other words, those of us who are trying to hold fast to the values that made America the greatest nation on earth are marginalized by, as extremists, and that's far more effectively done because the people who disagree with us and want to take the country in a dramatically different direction are all of, cut from the same cloth. I've said the reason why California is a basket case is because they, they created a university system that really became the equivalent of an indoctrination, the equivalent of an indoctrination camp, and you just turn people out and they become the, the, the leftist automatons that you want them to be, and they go off into government, and they just keep pushing things in a more and more and more extreme direction. And they're all in agreement. 
because they've all been educated in the same indoctrination camps. That's a procedural difference. Whereas before the two sides, they substantively, they both saw themselves as trying to preserve what we had and, and, and procedurally, they were not out, neither side was vastly outgunned by the other. And right now we are vastly outgunned from a cultural perspective. Now, here's what we have that they don't have. We have God, because God has us. And this godless, Marxist, socialist culture that they're trying to impose upon us will not succeed because God will not allow it if we will stand with the Lord. Now, right now, the best place to express that is in the ballot box on what date is that? I think it's November the 8th, the first Tuesday. Oh, no, I keep saying the first Tuesday in November. It's actually not the first Tuesday in November. It's the second Tuesday in November, November the 8th. I've been saying the first Tuesday in November. Forgive me, folks. Uh, it's November the 8th, the second Tuesday in November. Well, you, you know what Election Day is. We've got to vote with a vengeance because what, all that we are trying to preserve is at stake. So let me once again say this. Black, Hispanic, Asian, Indian, no matter what your background, if you are a child of God, you got to stop voting for the party and start voting for the principles that you know God wants you to uphold. Period. Folks, this is not even hard. It's a no-brainer. If Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, and you know that, and you acknowledge him, and you know that you are ultimately going to stand before the beam of seat of Christ to give an account for the deeds done in the body, don't you know that who you voted for and what you voted for is one of the deeds that you're going to give an account for? I mean, surely you know that. And this stuff of all these black Christians voting for these godless Democrats is an abomination to God. Uh, Hosea 8.4 says, You set up kings, but not by me. You establish princes, that, but I do not acknowledge them. You've got Christians setting up kings, meaning political leaders, that God won't have anything to do with. And putting princes in place in whatever level of, of office from the presidency on down that God did not, set <coughs> did not set up and that God will not acknowledge. We've got to start supporting people and voting for people whom God has anointed and appointed and acknowledges that they represent him. That they want to do his will. Jesus said, Behold, in the volume of the book it is written, I come to do your will, O God. We need political leaders who want to do the will of God. Of course, follow the Constitution. Of course, follow the laws of the land. But don't be afraid to speak up against those laws when those laws contradict the law of God. Because Dr. Martin Luther King said, A law that is not based on the law of God is an unjust law. A Supreme Court decision in Obergefell is an abomination. Just like Roe v. Wade was an abomination. It's like this decision that uh, Gorsuch wrote, uh, uh, interpreting the civil rights law, the word sex is referring to gender identity. That's an abomination. He's a conservative justice. He ought to know better. Because what they're doing, folks, is not simply changing the law. They are changing the culture. 
See, the, these folks, I think their, their leaders understand. I don't have any, um, any questions coming in, so I'm going to end here in a minute. But their leaders understand that you change the culture, you've got everything else. Because that set of ideas, beliefs, practices, norms, values that congeal a society will control the politics. Breitbart famously said it. Politics is downstream from culture. You get control of the culture, you own the politics. So we need to reclaim not only the politics, and we're going to do that on November 8th, but we got to reclaim the culture as well. And we need the help of Almighty God to do that because the cultural pathologies that have insinuated themselves into our society are deep and they metastasized. And neither you nor, nor, nor I nor anyone else has any kind of magic wand to make it go away. It is going to take divine intervention. It's going to take an awakening. And I believe one's coming. I've been predicting a tsunami on November the 8th, and I'm still believing that. I'm believing that, that Republicans are going to take back the House and take back the Senate uh, and put the brakes on the destructive policies of this Biden administration, not only destructive but perverse and godless and ungodly and anti-American policies of this administration and that eventually the Lord is going to reveal to us all the dirt, all the corruption that this administration has been responsible for, including the last election, or that these Democrats have been responsible for, because the Bible says what is done in secret will be revealed from the rooftops. God bless each and every one of you. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. I will be in my church on Sunday at 943 Canal Drive in Chesapeake. Services are 11 a.m. We'll start live streaming about 11.30. But I'd love to see you there if you can make it. And uh, in the meantime, I will be back here with you live on Tuesday, although we will air my sermon on Monday morning at 8.30 a.m. But I will be back with, here with you live on Tuesday. In the meantime, folks, stand up, step up, speak up, refuse to back up, because we cannot be defeated if we will not quit. Because we are on God's